You've survived another week. And baby, I am sicker than a D.O.G. I probably got the walking pneumonia. But this week, I'm going to try and talk about dressing for success for those legislators. Culture, hip-hop, gun bling, zombie strike, chapter 18. And not to cough too much. You know, I know you might not like me, I'm singing, and I'm not going to help the matter on this one. But we're thinking about cutting out the songs. You let me know whenever you see a, uh, a poll come your way. But I was having such a bad week. I had to. I had to do this. Just made me feel better. Hang on. And let's rock. This is episode 150 of the Urban Shooter Podcast. to the Urban Shooter Podcast. It's the pro-gun variety show created by Ken Blanchard, also known as the Black Man with a Gun. He's the caramel-colored defender of truth, justice, and the American way. He's 98% pure something, 2% bad boy, sweet like mocha and buttery smooth. This is where you can hear pro-gun news, views, and how-tos with a heap and helping of life lessons, laughter, and love. UrbanShooterPodcast.com Concealment rig Cool hat I ain't worried Cause my skills are fast Black shades and white gloves Looking sharp, looking for love They come running just as fast as they can Cause every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed man States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
All right, all right. Yeah, I sung again. I had to, man. I know some of you guys are starting to say, man, Joker, just keep on singing. All right, I'm going to stop for a while and see what happens. But then I'll just be like everybody else. I'm going to send out a quick poll, and uh, I'm going to listen to you. If you say, stop the madness, Ken, I'll stop the madness. Yeah. No, I still got a little bit of respiratory issue. Uh, every time I fly, man, be around too many Jeremy people, catch stuff. What's up with that? I need like uh, some super immunity drugs or something. Heard zinc does that, but zinc also gives you Alzheimer's if that's in your family. Yeah, that's what I heard. So I'm not trying to OD on zinc and then trigger Alzheimer's earlier in my life than I needed to be. You know what I'm saying? Well, this is the Urban Shooter Podcast, and I'm your host, Ken Blanchard. And CrossbreedHolsters.com has brought you another episode of your favorite righteous podcast. This is 150. Can you believe we have uh, we crossed over the 200,000 download mark? And uh, I'm pretty happy about it. I don't know what it means, except for... I got a lot of family members now. A lot of family members. That's, that's just too cool. This week, I'm going to talk about a few things um, off the cuff just uh, to help you out. It might not necessarily be gun-related. Some of them are news, but some of them I just want to pass on some wisdom to you and uh, in a typical Ken Blanchard fashion. I've been drinking tea, man, like a bear, and... Uh, And tea makes you have to go to the potty just a little bit too much. What else up with that? Remember, I was working security in London, and uh, this tall guy popped up, you know, and he said, um, Excuse me, uh, can you tell me, please, sir, where the center of porcelain convenience is? And I was like, All right, I'm in the counselor section. The military liaison is over this side. Health section is on that side. The ambassador's suite is over here. Where in the hell is the center of porcelain convenience? And then I could see him making a familiar tapping of his feet. And I was like, oh. He goes, you know, the loo. And I was like, oh, yeah, I am in London. The bathroom. Yes, yes, the restroom. And I was like, this way, buddy. Who would have knew? And then right behind him was Roger Moore. That was pretty cool. Um, I was expecting him to be like really fancy and stuff. And he just kind of popped up and said, um, good morning. And my name is, and I kind of interrupted him. I said, Bond, James Bond, right? And he goes, no, Roger Moore. I felt kind of stupid, but that was the only joke I had for the day. But one thing about Roger Moore, that he was dressed for success. He had an appointment interview with the ambassador who I was protecting. And uh, something that we need to do a little bit more. You know, as a gun rights advocate, as somebody who sometimes has to testify in front of Congress or representatives or lobby a legislator or just do due diligence to stuff, to show up to events we need to dress a little better. Yeah, we do. How many of you judge people by what you see? Yeah. Truth be told, just about everybody does. Yeah, we do. Here's a rule of thumb. Always dress for the task at hand. If you're a silver engineer headed for a construction site, then you can wear the jeans and the flannel shirt and the work boots. But that's not how to dress if you're making a formal presentation. Believe it or not, otherwise intelligent people are remarkably dumb about this simple issue. That means a solid color, a conservative suit. You can't dress like, um, I'm going to get in trouble for this one, like some ministers do um, in the South and in Detroit with the bright colors and the pinstripes and alligator shoes. No, not like that. How about a white long sleeve shirt, a conservative tie? I mean, just because Rush Limbaugh wears it or your hero, no. Dark socks. 
leave the White Sox home. I don't care how cold it is. It looks bad with a suit and professional shoes. I mean, like real shoes, like string-ups if you can. Kind of you have to tie, much better. Shows business look. Loafers, every, everything you have on has a different um, thing behind it. I mean, believe it or not, people judge you in a couple of seconds by everything you have on. Very limited jury. If you if you're wearing more than two rings, that's one on each hand. It's too much. You can do whatever you want when you're representing yourself. When you're home, when you're riding your motorcycle, when you're with your with your boys, that's cool. Be you. But if you're representing the gun rights industry, your gun rights people, freedom, and you might be on television, you got to check that stuff at the door. You got to. Have a real neat, a professional hairstyle. Now, that's going to kill some people because you like your hair the way it is, right? Believe it or not, if you have a skinhead, you look like a skinhead or a UFC wrestler. It makes you look tough. I know. This is an issue I even talk, try to tell law enforcement. You'll have an easier time if you don't look like a drill instructor. It's a really good appearance for promotion panels for going for your review. But on the street, you want your hair to be kind of medium, actually, but clean and neat and regulation. The more regulation you are, the better it is for you actually on the street. And unfortunately, I'm one of those people who prefer facial hair, but the world doesn't. You will have an easier time clean shaven. I hate saying that, but that's the real deal. The hats you wear make a difference. Every type of hat has its own thing to it. That's why um, state troopers wear Smokies. Drill instructors wear Smokies. Um, Mall cops have baseball caps. That whole thing, even the colors of your uniform and the color of your suit matters. It does. Go easy on the aftershave. If you smell like a French um, brothel and you leave a trail after you leave, it's too much. Your hands have to be really clean. Your fingernails should be neat. Um, Nothing's nastier than an older person with real ashy hands and long fingernails, especially with the pinky one, like real long, like they're going to use for a Coke spoon back in the day. That's gone. Clip them bad boys. And watch what you're carrying. Um, If you got to carry some books and some papers, get a briefcase. Get a, what do you call those things? A portfolio. Um, A backpack can take away from it just a little bit. Real important. I'm just telling you. That's why we got the Sharp Dressed Man song in the beginning. Just trying to keep you straight. Because your rights are my rights. We all in this thing together, you know. Your appearance kind of creates your credibility. Now, if you watch TV and you focus on politics or something else, think of the number of times that the other side has made good points, but all you remember somebody is because of what they had on. We do that every day. Our hair length, our smell, all that. Dale Carnegie said, there are four ways and only four ways in which we can have contact with the world. We are evaluated and classified by these four contacts. What we do, how we look, what we say, and how we say it. It's more than your words. Now don't forget, you can give me a shout out anytime at Ken at UrbanShooterPodcast.com or BlackManWithAGun at gmail.com. And I'm real receptive to your emails. Also, you can give me a call. 888-772-6262. That's 888-772-6262. Toll free, 24 hours, 7 days a week. Leave a message, a voicemail. I'll get back to you. Leave a number. You can just say, hey, anything, you know. It's like that. We're like family. All right. I got a few shout outs. 
to all those in the sandbox right now, um, especially the Sergeant B over in uh, M&P Battalion. Big, big hello, man, to all the military police out there. And thanks, man, for the email. Uh, Sergeant B was talking about, uh, he was thinking about joining me on my electronic hearing protection deal. I'm trying to get started as a distributor selling some electronic hearing protection. They're kind of like the pro ears of back in the day. These are real comfortable. They're digitized. They're nice. Um, they go about 290, about 320, somewhere in there. And I'm trying to get an order of about 20 people. So if you're interested in some electronic hearing protection, look for a link on urbanshooterpodcast.com, like me and Sergeant B. Also, to the boys in Diego Garcia, man, big shout out to you. Thank you for what you do. To the 2-2 Marine Corps group out in Afghanistan. Also, man, the Camo guys, big shout out to you. Nobody is left out. We got airmen, Marines, and the Army. Well, we do got one brother from the Navy, but he always hits me up on Facebook. He's not real happy with it right now, so we're almost all covered. All right, I can take a quick break because the wife is summoning me. And uh, in the meantime, here's a quick announcement from Richard from Guns, Holsters, and Gear. Hi, this is Richard from Guns, Holsters, and Gear.com. This week, we'll be wrapping up our SHOT Show coverage with more product announcements and photos from the show. In the coming weeks, we'll start back with more product reviews and training articles, plus roll out some exciting new features. So keep up with us at GunsHolstersAndGear.com. All right. In that brief time that Richard told you about GunsHolstersAndGear.com, I found out that my garage door opener is broke. Or the motor is busted or something. We'll have to figure that out tomorrow, but not today. It's been a heck of a time trying to get this show out. Uh, not only have I been ill, but uh, work has been a monster. And church has been a monster. And I've just been feeling kind of like, uh, you ever get that way? Where you just have no more uh, to give? Well, that's me this week. But I make sure that I can communicate with you because, you know, I kind of miss you, actually. I can tell. I mean, it's just the email is kind of slowed down. Not much activity on Facebook. Twitter is almost kaput. How long do you think Twitter is going to last before it dies? Another year? 2011? Probably be the end of Twitter. What do you think? I don't know. There'll be something else out by then, though, right? Well, let's get on with uh, a topic for this week. And the topic is about bling guns. All right? Here we go. All right, this one's pretty controversial. Bling guns. What in the heck is a bling gun? Well, it's kind of a showpiece that uh, you probably wouldn't carry. It's one of those real gaudy firearms. Um, has a finish that's gold or bright chrome. Uh, looks like a piece of jewelry, actually. If you've seen any of the uh, confiscated firearms from Mexico or third world countries where they gold plate some stuff and put a whole lot of ornate stuff on the grip, that's pretty much cultural. And that separates a lot of people. Some people call them barbecue guns, but that's a real, real uh, stretch because bling guns and barbecue guns are kind of different. But maybe not. It's just culturally they're different. You ever been to a person of Middle Eastern descent and how much gold is ornate on like the, uh, the corners of the sofa? The picture frames, the mirror frames, everything's gold. Or how about somebody from China, where there's a whole bunch of the color red, where that color is good luck in that culture. Well, cultures have that same thing with firearms. They know how personal a gun is, right? You want to jazz yours up? Well, this one I've really been looking at, just thinking about for the last couple of weeks. And uh, 
I figure I'd hit it, even though I might open up a can of worms and talk about it. I don't have any solutions. I'm just kind of sharing some stuff. Maybe just be a part of a longer conversation. And you can always let me know what you think on the feedback. First of all, not all people are the same. And in particular, not all black people are the same. Pro-gun black people are not all Christians, Democrats, supporters of the president, not all fans of hip-hop rap, and don't all play basketball, eat chicken, and like watermelon. But they are, however, sensitive to being categorized with that same broad brush. And that goes with any race, any ethnicity, any smaller group of Americans. Now, this is one of those issues that comes up, though. If you get involved in the gun culture, you're going to have some cultural stuff that you like to do. And you have to fight it. Now, you can tell somebody who's been in the gun culture a long time. They're pretty much like everybody else. But if you have a strong sense of self and you don't care, then you'll see a little bit more of the personality of a person. Here is his example. I can grab three or four black guys. We'll be in a room together and talk about firearms. Now, if I'm wearing my brownie and I share it and it has the, the inscribed dove on it with my name, my logo, that's pimped out for me. Another might say, man, just give me one that works. More form, no, no fanciness. I don't want it to be, I want it to be tactical. I want it to be, you know, whatever. And that's all fine and good. But what I've noticed is that in fear of being ridiculed, you'll, people have decided to go with the path of least resistance. They'll do it so that nobody will say anything. So they'll keep their firearms stock. They won't add any of them to it. Um, and then you have those young kids who are straight out of the hip-hop culture who kind of created this whole world and this name of a bling gun. What in the heck is a bling gun? Keep asking that question. It's it's that 50 caliber Desert Eagle that's gold that they will hardly ever, ever shoot. But the one that gets confiscated. It's the one that Gilbert Arenas had. It's the firearm that you can't even afford, but it looks good. It's the one that's used in the rap videos. It's the one that's gold-plated, has accents. It might even have tiger stripes. You know, you've seen them on the, in the magazine. You wonder who buys these things. People with a lot of cash buy these things. People who don't really shoot them in competition buy these things. People who have a cultural penchant for expressing themselves this way buy these things. And in that room of those brothers that we were talking about, you might get one with a chrome-plated Taurus or high finish. It's probably me. Because if I'm going to do a special op, it's going to be something that's given to me. It won't be my personal firearm. If I'm just going to be carrying it for me, if I'm going to be using my stuff, I want it to be like me. It's just like that. Well, a 50 caliber semi-auto Desert Eagle with gold plating, it might cost like two grand, is not your bailiwack. That's okay. But in this culture, in this world, we got a lot of some really gaudy stuff out there. Like a gun, you can customize it. You can do anything you want to it. But we got that issue behind it where we don't want it to appear stereotypical. We don't want to get classified as, uh, you know, being something whatever that something is. Hip-hop has a lot to do with it. Hip-hop is a musical genre which developed out of rap. And uh, it's been around since the 70s. And it influences a lot of stuff right now. You have no idea how much stuff it influences. It's like a billion-dollar business. You know, cars have been influenced by the hip-hop industry and the hip-hop culture. Oh, yeah. You know those little televisions that you can buy, those media sets? Uh, you can put them in the back of minivans for the, put up your quotation fingers, for the babies, for the kids in the back. Hip-hop started all that stuff. That was like an extra thing to put your Xbox or your PlayStation 3 in your hoopty. And the car was raggedy, but the inside had more 
accoutrements in it than anything. Hip-hop did that. How about chrome rims? Remember rims used to just to be hubcaps. You're hard-pressed to find a hubcap now. Now everything is stainless and, uh, and chromed out, and you pay a little extra for wheel accents. Customized, the louvers, the lowered sports package, all that stuff come from the hip-hop culture. Well, that same crap has moved down to the gun industry. Not so much um, for you hardcore shooters, but for the young people, it's there. And where do they get it from? Television. And where did television get it from? The rap industry, the hip-hop people, the folks who don't know anything about the firearms that they use, the firearms that they brandish, the firearms that they get arrested with, and like Gilbert Arenas, the firearms that take them out of millions of dollars. So what am I saying? I'm saying, do you, whatever firearm you like, whatever floats your boat, that's cool. If you want a chrome-plated, gold-plated, stainless steel, no stainless, dull finish, um, brushed aluminum, whatever, be happy with it. Don't think you have to change your culture. If you want a pink gun, get a pink gun. If you want a red gun, get a red gun. You can do that now. I mean, there's a lot of finishes out there. And you can actually send it away and get it plated. What you want to do. I mean, there's like a, a few companies that even put flames on the side. Do you, man. I mean, really, the key to happiness, the real key to happiness is humility. That's the secret right there. If you want to find a balance with yourself, just be you and don't worry about it. Someday we'll be like Star Trek where a blue guy can be a blue guy and a yellow guy can be a yellow guy. And the guy with the horns and the white hair and the blue skin is cool. And as long as you are cool, then everybody treats you right. See, it's just like that. Don't have to worry about being an Uncle Tom, a sellout. Um, He plays ZZ Top on his show. So, am I selling out? I don't think so. See, I also got Willie Dixon, T-Bone Walker, and Steve Ray Vaughan on my iPod. There's also um, Ella Fitzgerald. There's um, Jay-Z on there, too. And we can go back to African Bombada and Full Force. And I can go all the way back to the 80s because, see, I was in that crew that started in hip-hop. I was a breakdancer back in the day. Yeah, I was. But we won't even go there. Crush Groove, Electric Boogaloo. Remember that? I had that um, that high top fade. Yes, I did. Speaking of hair, I think I had every style going. Tried the ball head just recently. That's my action figure has the ball head. But I did everything. I had the Al Sharpton perm there for a minute. But that one hurt, man. I couldn't sleep with rollers in your head. Couldn't see how people do that. The only thing I haven't tried is dreadlocks. I really like Ashford and Simpson's hair. Remember that movie, um, Vampire in Brooklyn? Eddie Murphy was a vampire. I dig that hairstyle. If I wasn't uh, want to keep a job and a, and a good appearance, I probably wouldn't went that route. But I know, again, back to that Dale Carnegie thing about dressing for success, about being good representative, you got to look a certain way. If you want to be a rock star, you can't do it clean cut. You're going to have to let your hair grow. Every industry, every money-making group, everything it does that you don't have control over, you have to follow some suit. That's the deal. Well, hip-hop is anti-culture for the most part, even though it's coming mainstream now. And our young people that get in trouble with firearms embrace a culture of ignorance. They don't know any better. They take it for just what it is get a firearm and if you make it look good and it's big enough you get some street creds and that's what they're looking for for to scare people to look tough and they make names for stuff you know glocks and gats and nines and niners and two twos they got names for stuff that we use every day and brothers like the notorious big that was gunned down in 1997 he got famous singing negative songs like somebody's gotta die dr dre had a hit called Rat-a-tat-tat-tat. Remember that? And Nas 
had some serious uh, lyrics that talked about being a gun. I mean, it's all in the culture. And ignorance is uh, contagious. Would be nice, though, if we could break it into or break into that culture and educate. But what you'd end up doing is just destroying it. It wouldn't exist. Once somebody learns the truth, it changes. Which might not be a bad thing for me to try. Almost everybody, every rapper out there has gotten trouble with a gun. Tupac was killed. How about um, Puff Daddy for P. Diddy? Sean Combs, he's like a big media mogul now, but he got in trouble once too. Johnny Cochran got him off. T.I. still still doing time um, with uh, home arrest for his issues. There's uh, Lil Wayne and a whole bunch of rappers that and 50 Cent got shot so many times and lived to help this whole career. It's a mentality with our young people that we got to fix. Only way you're going to fix it, though, you have to understand what's in it, how it started, and then once you understand it, then you can fix it. But if you just sit on the outside and complain, nah, won't change a thing. Which brings me up to the point of Gilbert Arenas. Now, my daughter's going to kill me for telling you all this, but she used to work for the Wizards. That's how I got a chance to meet uh, Abe Poland before he passed away. Um, I was invited and got a chance to attend his 80th birthday party, I believe, or 70th, if I can remember. But um, it was a big to-do. Um, Tony Bennett actually sang, and uh, he had another comedian from uh, Joy Bishop, I think, was there. It was Joy Bishop. I forget, but I think so. Um, old school, Rat Pack Vegas kind of guy was a comedian that night. But anyway, I gave Abe a copy of Black Man with a Gun. Sure did. And I know in D.C., the whole D.C. government is anti-gun. Abe changed the name of the Wizards from the Bullets because of his gun stance. I mean, this arenas couldn't have been more wrong. Well, here's the deal. Well, back when my daughter worked for the uh, Washington Sports, I saw this new guy come in and I thought, man, all my daughter has to do is cook him a nice home-cooked meal, be around him for a minute, bam, she'll be out of the house and uh, she'll be in high cotton, man, for Gilbert Arenas. And they became friends. She was actually working on his website, I think, or uh, this was MySpace page and I thought, yeah, let's see what happens. Let nature takes a course. But um, the more she knew him, she found out that he was low off. And uh, she said, Dad, no. I see your eyes twinkling. No, not Gilbert. So I thought, oh, okay. And then later we find out that he had um, a girlfriend somewhere and a couple of kids. And the dude has been in trouble before being just really immature. So now he brings firearms, bling guns, into the Verizon Center, used to be MCI Center, into Anti-Gun DC from Virginia where he lives. The guns he bought were legal, I think, but he's originally from either Arizona or somewhere. So who knows where the firearms came from, but he purchased them. He has the money. Dude's not short on cash. But miseducation and just plain stupidity caused him to lose some millions. Now, the fact that he's Gilbert Arenas, Agent Zero, and the big name is the only reason why his butt is not locked up right now. And it still goes into effect that if you are somebody of importance, if you have money, you will not do the same time as if you were a poor person, a regular person on the street. So, um, we still haven't got that part too far yet. But luckily, um, he's still free and waiting arraignment or further trial sometime in March to see his fate. But I think he's going to get a felony conviction. Plaxico Burris um, got jammed up and Michael Vick got jammed up. It's becoming a norm now for young people. I wish that it was actually mentors, people they actually listened to and weren't trying to get their money uh, to help out these people. I'm going to try to get uh, something going with the Washington Sports Group. I don't think it's going to work, though, because I'm not all that 
um, I'm a legend in my own mind, but in reality, who's Ken Blanchard, right? But I'm going to try to get uh, maybe some briefings or some talks going in the locker room, either the off-season or whenever they let me, just to talk about the right to keep and bear arms on a big level and see what happens. Wish me luck on that one. So, in quick summary, different cultures use different types of firearms. There's different strokes for different folks. Some people like real gaudy stuff. Some people don't. If you are of color and you really want to buy a high polished chrome gold plated something, then you go right ahead. And don't worry about the stereotype. Just be real proficient with your firearm and don't worry about the other people. If you change and have to do something night operational, then you might not want that chrome shiny thing. But how many of us really do that? So in reality, go for the bling, man. And Gilbert Arenas, um, my prayers are with you and your family that you get your head together um, with so many other um, professional athletes that don't have a clue but have a lot of money. And um, the Bible still is correct where it says a fool and his money are soon parted. Doesn't matter you be. Doesn't matter whether you be a professional ball player or what. A fool is a fool. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. Do you like Urban Shooter? Then send Ken an email at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Do you want to support the show and start something new? You can become a member of the new Urban Shooter Association for $4 a month and keep the mission going strong. Look for the USA link on the website. Our founding fathers came to America seeking freedom from tyranny. They purchased our freedom with their own blood. They established the greatest constitution the world has ever known. But now it's under attack like never before. Join the Second Amendment March to help us defend our right to keep and bear arms. Go to www.secondamendmentmarch.com and volunteer your help. Please donate if you can. Think about it. If America falls, where will your children live in freedom? What do you think of the Urban Shooter podcast? Leave a review for Ken on iTunes at the end of this show. All right. I got a lot of nerve asking you, uh, what do you think about the show? When I'm not sure whether this was my best one or not. I don't think so. I think the flu and just world events have definitely influenced episode 150. But just in case you didn't mind it, please leave me a review on iTunes and even consider supporting the show. Just got finished. Uh, Looking at my garage door, I think the thing is definitely busted. And uh, there's a lot going on between commercial breaks on this show. But uh, I won't bore you with the details. Just to make sure that you uh, stick around because Zombie Strike is next. This is Zombie Strike. Zombie Strike, Part 18. Over Mexico City, 1630 hours local, 2 December 2009. Countdown, 2 years, 29 days. Quentin McClintock swallowed down a wave of nausea as he caught sight of the ground speeding under the helicopter. He closed his eyes and forced his mind to concentrate on something else, like the new gear that Mateo foisted upon him. The armor was comfortable. In fact, it reminded Quentin of the pads of protection he had worn as a linebacker. The base was simply a version of the popular Lycra sports garments Quentin had worn for years, except this stuff was tear-resistant, meaning very hard to bite through. Then came a harness for the electronics, 
including the radio, the sat phone, the GPS, and a few other things Quentin wasn't sure how they worked. They all tied into a rugged PDA that reminded Quentin of our very rugged iPod. A camelback went on next. The shoulder, chest, and gut protection was articulated plastic over Kevlar. The arms and legs were protected with leather, augmented with plastic at the joints. All of his gear was stored in a series of rigid pouches scattered around the outside of his armor. The helmet was perhaps the strangest piece of the armor. The actual helmet was styled similarly to the American combat helmet with a flip-out mount for enhancements, a tinted face shield attached to for a seamless wraparound bucket. Quentin caught a reflection of himself and felt like an ancient ancestor of the Imperial Stormtrooper. The carbine, at least, was relatively normal. The zombie-killing carbine, or ZKC, as the team members called it, had started out as a Bushmaster ACR, and the rear of the weapon retained the familiar controls in stock. An ACOG-type sight graced the top of the weapon with a flip-up bracket to attach additional enhancements such as night vision or thermal imager. The front of the weapon displayed none of his lineage. It looked like a single piece of molded plastic with an integral suppressor, high-powered white light, laser, and flip-down vertical grip. It was somewhere between combat functional, tactical, and futuristic. Mateo swore the ZKC was an easy weapon to master, but Quentin wished he had more time to work with it. Okay, the bad guys are in the Mexican Museum of Anthropology, Mateo said over the team's radio. The place emptied out fast once the zombies showed up, but intel says that at least 10 to 30 civilians were turned. Where are we getting intel? asked Colin Dubois from the other helicopter. Local control says there is a couple of Mexican police on scene that haven't run. Mateo answered. They keep their distance but trying to watch what the bad guys are doing. Best estimates are 50 or so zombies, two guys in dark clothes, and giant. The non-zombies are hunting for something while the zombies are keeping away from the humans. Sounds like a party, Billy Shakespeare interjected. Glad you think so, Mateo answered dryly. Control wants us to eliminate the outbreak. I know that tone, Maddie, Colin said. What's the real op? Giant and his two minions are in there for a reason. They need to be captured to find out what their end game is, Mateo answered. That's Alpha Team's job. Quentin, myself, Slim, and Billy are on Alpha. Colin, you have everyone else for Bravo. Standard zombie clearing. But be ready to come to the rescue. There was a chorus of mic clicks as the team acknowledged Mateo's orders. The two helicopters flared to the hover before dropping to the ground. The first out were the professionals, Colin, the Steve, and the Brit boys. The rest of the team followed them onto the museum grounds. Mateo flashed hand signals. Quentin couldn't remember what they meant. It didn't matter. He just had to stick with Mateo. Colin and the rest of Beta team moved to the museum's shattered entryway. Debris and discarded items were scattered over the marble floor. There were no zombies but the wrecked exhibits left a clear trail. Beta team cautiously moved in. Mateo didn't wait for them to disappear into the museum. He pulled the four members of Alpha around him. The police have focused on the zombies, so we don't have a clear idea of where our target is, Mateo explained, displaying the museum's floor plans on his PDA. Suggestions. The museum was a main recipient of the artifacts we are digging up, Quentin said. They'd probably be searching the labs and offices for more recent artifacts. The others nodded. Okay, Billy, you've got point. Mateo ordered. Quentin, you're next. You know the place better than we do, so you're a navigator. Matt, I've never been here before, Quentin protested. You know the backside of a museum, Mateo answered. Good enough for now. Quentin knew better than to argue the point. Mateo didn't care if he was asking for the impossible again. Moreover, Alpha was wasting precious time. As Billy led them through the museum's entrance, Quentin studied the information on his PDA. The best place to start would be the receiving dock. Quentin drew a line on his PDA from Alpha's position to the dark dock 
uploading it to everyone else's PDA. Okay, the technology was pretty impressive. The question was how much of it was going to help someone against someone like the giant. The team forcibly entered a locked door. Quentin winced at the sound as Billy slammed open the door. For such a small person, Billy could deliver a lot of force when he wanted to. The corridor was a main access hallway. It was lit by flickering fluorescent lights. The off-color walls and linoleum highlighted the eeriness of the empty and quiet hallway. Quentin felt like he was walking into the set of a horror flick. It was a straight shot of maybe 300 feet to the docks. Mateo flashed urgent hand signals and the team entered the hallway with trepidation. About halfway down the hallway intersected another. Quentin's heart pounded in his chest as Billy slid against the wall toward the intersection. Billy popped around the corner into the other hallway. Endless seconds passed as Quentin strained to listen for the faint sound of suppressed gunfire. He almost longed for action, any action, anything to break the nervous tension. Billy slipped back around the corner and motioned. Nothing. Maybe the way was clear. Quentin felt a little better as the team neared the door to the docks. He didn't expect to find his target in the docks. Maybe something that would give Quentin an idea of why they had come. He started thinking on this as the team skulked toward the door. What had they come for? What could they need from this museum that they didn't find at the dig site? The team was maybe 30 feet from the door to the docks when it all went dark. Welcome to the trap, gentlemen, came the familiar voice from the man dubbed Giant, and Quentin's stomach plummeted. The next sound was the familiar howls of golems. This concludes another installment of the narrated story Zombie Strike by Derek Ward. Join us next time for another exciting edition of the ongoing saga. This product is protected by copyright owned by Blanchard Studios, Kenneth Blanchard, and other individuals or entities. Any production, retransmission, republication, or any other use of part or audio found on this site is expressly prohibited unless prior written permission has been granted by Kenneth Blanchard or the appropriate copyright owner. All other rights reserved. Hey, thanks again for joining me this week. I'm going to cut this one short. I think the cold medicine and just uh, life is kicking me in the butt this week. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but I just don't feel 100%. I want to thank you for joining me. I want to thank Mike L. for coming to Maryland to actually testify in support of a House Bill 52. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. He left a message on my voicemail. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate what you're doing for Maryland. Just the world, man. Stuff just getting to you, to a brother. But I can't let it get me, you know. Got to keep on pushing, just like you. Keep on pushing where you are. Sometimes stuff just gets deep on a brother. Daniel and Okinawa, man, my best to you and your family as you transition and get used to being in Japan. Uh, shout out to Sergeant of Military Police out there in the 126. I appreciate your email, man. Again, thank you for listening. 200,000 listeners. Hey, a man must be doing something sometimes. I'm going to count my blessings. I'm going to be thankful. Do you know there's a um, a new app coming out soon about the Urban Shooter podcast? And as uh, soon as that comes out, I will let you know about it. There's also going to be uh, a CD about Zombie Strike. Absolutely. 20 episodes, all the epilogues, epilogues all that going to be in there. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to make it happen. It'll be available for Urban Shooter listeners. Uh, what else we got going on? Those electronic earphones. I'm going to try to get a page together this weekend. I got a performance evaluation for my job to do before Sunday. So hopefully I can get cracking on that. It's supposed to be a big snowstorm somewhere around here. And uh, that'll keep me locked down. But uh, my health, man. Goodness gracious. What else can I tell you? I can tell you, thanks. I can tell you for, from the bottom of my heart, it makes a difference. 
Ooh, Nelly. I got so sick that time I had to stop the recording. Ah, I will be all right after a while. Keep me in your prayers. Just remember, if you're looking for a job, your appearance counts. Um, Take a few tips from my Dress for Success little bit there and what Dale Carnegie said. And uh, hopefully you got something out of what I was trying to talk about with the gun bling and the cultural differences and poor and stupid Gil Arenas. Zombie Stray, another good one from Derek. I really appreciate that, man. And you'll see the fruits of your labor soon. Don't forget, you can contact me anytime. Leave me a comment. Uh, leave me a review on iTunes. You can call me, leave a message. I'm accessible. I'm here for you. And I got a couple of questions. If you have a couple of questions, if you have some suggestions for some stuff I should do, you can leave them on the Gun Rights Radio Network on the forums there or on the forums on blackmanwithagun.info. Urban Shooter Podcast has its own forums. And... And on Facebook, if you want to, I'm there at Ken Blanchard. So look for Ken with two N's, Blanchard, and you'll find me on Facebook. Until next week, when I hope I feel 100% better than I do now, this is your friend and your brother from a different mother. Wishing you peace. All right. Hey, that music that you heard during my dialogue earlier was um, American Dreams from my nephew, actually, Kevin Holman and... uh He's been trying to make it as a rapper, but that one instrumental track is pretty good, actually. Just in case nobody else tells you this, I love you, and there's not a darn thing you can do about it. Shalom, baby. Alrighty then. Thank you for joining us this week. Email me and let me know your thoughts on this week's show. This has been the Urban Shooter Podcast with Ken Blanchard, a.k.a. Black Man with a Gun. For loving people. When the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace.